KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon on a Friday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Trent and I with you for the next couple of hours talking sports with you on the BMW of Des Moines guest list here today. It's Friday. Got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, first up is going to be Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com, as the Packers back in action, uh, looking to hold their place at the top of the NFC North. They host the hapless Denver Broncos as a better than a touchdown favorite, so things should go their way. Tom Kakert, yes, the Hawks are off, but they're making some news. The Cordell Pemsel news broke uh, here earlier this morning. I'll get into that a little bit, I'm assuming, but a lot of football with uh, Tom Dylan Montz, Ames Tribune, at uh, 1045 as we take a look at the War Hawks of ULM. Uh, Nick Athen on the Chiefs, Chiefs in Baltimore at 11, Bama Bob Trent and I around college football, we'll give away some barbecue, we'll make some picks, we'll have some fun, and we'll talk a little baseball to begin as the Cubs fall last night. And honestly, Trent, what was, and you put it when you came in, it's a very entertaining game. It was fun. I enjoyed yep. myself last night. It was really just a good game, and the different pieces of it from Rizzo, who didn't know if we were going to see him again during the regular season with the ankle. It's the early home run. Baez is a pinch runner mm-hmm. coming in and scoring the run. Then what happened in the comeback? The the blown lead. And then what happened in extra innings is we got a little free baseball. Matt Carpenter. Very little. Nothing short of awful yeah. this season. He made amends, didn't he, last night? Made a uh, Got a homer against somebody that's been... Kind of awful himself, right? Yeah, Kimbrell's not been good. I'm with you. I mean, he has not been uh, what they thought that they were getting. He's had some moments, but uh, last night wasn't one of them. He comes off the IL last night, gets his first action in the game, and promptly gives up that uh, home run uh, to center field. He got every single bit of it mm-hmm. uh, to Matt Carpenter. So in what was you know pretty big spot last night for the Cubs, they fall in extras. Cardinals solidify themselves at the top of the uh, NL Central, and it looks to be, you know, it's going it, to, here's the good news. At least next week when the Cardinals pop the champagne, they'll do so at Bush. I mean, if it had been reversed, can you imagine having the celebration in the bowels of Wrigley Field with your rival uh, celebrating in uh, in the visiting clubhouse? But it's it's going to happen. The Cardinals have what seemingly is uh, it's too big of a lead, and Flaherty's not done for the year. Uh, he was outstanding last oh. night. Now I see the Cubs have uh, done some shuffling to the rotation. We knew Hamels wasn't going to start tomorrow, and Mills was going to go into that spot. Well, they have now flipped Mills and Quintana, push Quintana back to tomorrow. Uh, Brad Mills gets the start today uh, against the weakest link, I think, of the Cardinals sure. starting yeah. uh, starting rotation. Even though he is one of ours. He is one of ours, damn it. That's he why I didn't want to kill him. I don't yeah. want to criticize him. He's an Iowan He might have moved all. to Texas when he was two, but he's that still an matter. Iowan. He's, he's an Iowan guy. to us. Where's his birth certificate say? Exactly. That's, Iowa City, Iowa. Absolutely. That's how it's determined, folks. In my opinion, anyways, you are what your birth certificate says you are, whether you take a test or not. Anyways... Um, <laughs> So we'll do some baseball. Big spot this afternoon, 120. Uh, NBCSN, I believe, has it. 
WGN tomorrow's final game, the final home game for the Cubs. And then TBS has the national broadcast on Sunday. Uh, but most of us will be watching. Well, the Vikes are early. The Packers are early. What did you think of the national broadcast? You know, last who was night? the who was the play by play guy? I, I don't know. I don't know either. And, and they showed the booth. There was a wrestling guy in the booth for seemingly way too long. A wrestling guy because they're the WWE promotion. Yes. yes, and he's six foot eight and he's three hundred and eighty five pounds. But I don't follow wrestling. I have no idea. Andre the Giant? <laughs> no. I know who he was. He's long dead. Yes. Uh, but he's a big dude. And I mean, it wasn't awful, but it just seemed like it, mm, it was uncomfortable. It is what it is. Yeah. It's not a, a promo. lot of chemistry. And that's sure. True. Sure. They could have, maybe the inning lasted too long, but it was just, it didn't fit. But I get what they were doing. They're mm-hmm. cross promoting, and Fox has, as you mentioned, uh, WWE is coming over there. Uh, so they're going to, I mean, I, I'm assuming we'll see that during the playoffs, right? I can't wait until we get to see Joe Buck and Troy Aikman with, uh, I don't know, the big show or something up there. Yeah. I don't know any current wrestlers. Ultimate no, no, Warrior, no. is he still around? Hulk Hogan? No, but I no. like the Ultimate Warrior. He was good. Yeah. He was good. I don't think he's with us any longer. Well, probably at most of the guys I'm talking about. Mm. Not with us any, they any longer, They seem to leave, uh, leave way too soon, don't they? So when did you get it? Because you watch wrestling. I think almost... Oh, in the 60s. 60s was your time. When did you finally... Stop. Stop. 70s. 70s? I mean, I knew who the Ultimate Warrior was. During that run in the late some, 80s. The kids had a toy or something. Okay, yep. A figurine, is that what they call them? Yes, yeah. Um... Yeah, I was never into it really. No. Nope. Stack Calhoun, the Veshon brothers, <laughs> the Rock the Crusher. Uh, you don't know any of these, these guys. Do these you? guys are well the before Gagne's, my time. Vern I, and I know, Greg I know that one, yes. Uh, there were many Minnesota guys, I believe. Yes, Minnesota. they were, yes. Um, of course, Mean Gene Okerlund. Yeah. With the mic. Is he still alive or did he just die? He might have just I think died. He maybe just passed. Because there was a special on, not a special, but there was a, I don't know, part of. Uh, what, I don't know, eight, eight real sports, maybe mm-hmm. one of those types of shows. Did a piece with Mean Gene, not too many, but I think he passed. Anyways, um, you know, speaking of funerals, it seems like the Cubs are about to, um, you know, throw some dirt on them. They're going to wrap up their. They're not getting back to Wrigley Field after they leave Sunday, are they? They're not going to host the wild card game. No, I don't know. I can't see it. The Brewers have a much easier schedule. They do, and the Cubs. Man, they still got a bunch with the cards, and the cards are trying to clinch. I don't know. It was entertaining last night. On one hand, yeah, it was entertained. But Trent, the Cubs moved the needle on our show. You're a Cubs fan. I'm a Cubs story fan because of our our show. To be, and I started watching them because of this, mm-hmm. right? And so, therefore, you watch as much fan? Cubs baseball as anybody. Yeah, I do. I do. Am I a fan? You are. Maybe a little I bit. I think you are. May, they're my National League team. Okay. That's Fair my enough. squad in the National League. So, yeah, I'm a fan. I love watching Baez. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I haven't got to watch hard. much of them lately. <laughs> right. I to run around the bases. Yeah. yeah I, feel it, I feel for long... Well, they're not long-suffering Cubs fans anymore. They, they, they uh, got past the finish line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, they're good. They're, they're good for business. And uh, the Cubs are... Um, we rely on the Cubs to get us through you know, a couple of months of the summer, right? And yes. So for that reason, you've got to pay attention to them because you can't talk baseball if you don't watch baseball. You, the audience knows. Yes, they do. Uh, little baseball for me last night. Cruz, Nelson Cruz. Couple what happened? More, couple more homers. Jeez. I mean, he just ruptures his wrist. He's fine. He's got 39 on the year as a 39-year-old. And they got him for another the year, which is they, the good news. They have him for another year. They have the and team option. And it's options. the team's option. It's not his option. I don't understand how that guy, outside of age, but he's still been so that's good. The, that's the magic word. 
He gets a one-year, $14 million deal from the Twins with a team option for the following year. He has been an excellent professional hitter for a decade. Mm-hmm. And how the Twins are really about the only one t- kicking the tires on him. He just goes out. 39 years old, 39 home runs. He is so much fun to watch. I said at the beginning of the season, because I never watched Nelson Cruz game in and game out. Right. But just his approach, professionalism, just all these things. Good in the locker room. Yes, the embodiment of a professional baseball player. That's what he is. It's been a really fun season watching. No, it has, and they're going to the playoffs, Trent, and uh, they're going to face the Yankees in all likelihood, and uh, so so we shall see. Oh, that'll go well. Yeah, well, here, um, not good news because the reason Herman is suspended is awful news, but at least maybe they're not going to have to face him uh, if the charges uh, that have been levied against him are. Um, True. Major League Baseball believes they are. Anyways, let's let's move on. Uh, the NFL game last night. Look, I tried. I watched more baseball than I did NFL last night. Yeah, Gardner Minshew is an amazing story. It Just is. an ama- All the stops that this kid had. Mike Leach really. Uh, takes his career to a new level. He's a sixth round pick. Nick Foles goes out in the first game, and <laughs> look what he's doing. It's tough to watch Tennessee play football, and I yeah. like Mike Vrabel. I do. I, I think he's a. I think he's a good coach, just in a bad spot. But here's my question to you: the second overall draft pick in his draft pick in his draft year, what has happened to Marcus Mariota? I mean, he never had a cannon to begin with. No. And his offensive line and him, I mean, it's 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 a joint effort here. When you give up nine sacks, sure, that someone's on the line, but QB maybe needs to get rid of the ball a little bit earlier. Absolutely. Um, what what has happened to him? You know, I thought it was really interesting because Aikman, for the most part, you don't hear him tear down quarterbacks, but there was a part of the game, and it was during that run when it felt like Jacksonville was just hitting him every time, and he fumbled the ball and he got it back on the fumble, but a strip sack. He was talking about him being lazy with the football in the pocket, and he kept going on and on, and they went back and showed the replay, and it was really interesting. It almost feels like, at least to me, that Mariota isn't engaged. Getting beat up maybe has something to do with it, Mm -hmm. but there was something very askew, very off, and being sacked nine times maybe will do that, but he just, he doesn't look comfortable, he doesn't look look happy, and from what we saw from them two weeks ago, week one, just the demolishing of, yeah. of Cleveland to what they are now and what we saw last night. It's crazy how quickly it can turn in the NFL and the conversations. One of the most famous ones, I still think, is uh, after the Patriots, early during their dynasty run, made the trade and got beat by the Bills in week one. Was it like 41 nothing? or yes, something? Yes, 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 yes. And, oh, Bill Belichick's right. a moron, and this guy doesn't know what he's doing, <laughs> and he doesn't know football, and all the talking heads and how it was. Well, of course, 20 years later now, mm. we know what it's all about there. But how we overreact to what we see, especially in the NFL, and it goes so far of what we see these first couple of weeks. This is another fun week. I told you last week I really like the overreaction to week one. 0-2, desperate teams this week. How they're going to look, and you saw a desperate team last night get the victory. You certainly did, and uh, a good story uh, in in Gardner Minshew. College football last night, I didn't see. Uh, oh, I good. mean, I saw the ending this morning, but yeah. I, I didn't see it live. Were you watching it live when it unfolded? I was not. I was alerted, so I flipped back over after they were. So for people missing, Houston Tulane. I'm going to guess not a whole lot of people, right. unless you were financially invested, like I may have been. And it's a lot easier to be so now where we live. Yes, and because of that. I saw on Twitter, oh, what the, oh, what, Tulane, what are you doing? I'm like, what is this? So I flip back over, watch, see the replay of them. They're getting ready to kneel it down. Tied up 31 31. Houston dropped a touchdown that would have given them the lead late in regulation. Instead, kicked the field goal to make it 31 31. 
They had the ball at about their 35-yard line, something like that. Go for the kneel down, send it to overtime, await. And this is a play call that I have been waiting for for a long time. I have said, I don't know how many times, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this in a spot like this? And it worked out perfectly. It was the old fumble ruski type play. (laughs) Handed it to the guy around the end. He got 30 yards, probably something like that. Gave him a shot to get in field goal range instead. Sure, throw it down the field. Throw it up the seam. Couple of missed tackles by the Cougs. (laughs) In, touchdown, cover green wave. And we're celebrating in the Condon household. Yeah, I Oh, nice. Well, I wrote that one down, actually, for our next Mediacom taping to make yes. sure that we throw that uh, uh, up on the uh, in our first segment that we do. And we do a show on uh, Inside the Numbers on Mediacom, and it airs, uh, well, started last night. This week's show is, what, a couple of times today and once tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. And if you're a Mediacom subscriber and if you're into that kind of stuff, uh, we'd love to have you tune in and take a peek at Trent Nyes. We're on the air for uh, a half hour over there. Uh, going inside the numbers, we give away a couple of our picks and etc. It's a fun uh, show. It is. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy doing it. All right, Dave Sinekin momentarily. Have you had, did you struggle in either NFL or college trying to find games that uh, you know jumped off the betting sheet? I never struggle. <laughs> I, I never struggle to find games. I have. See, I this do. is always my problem. I have too, too many, many games. games, and then I, I struggle to pare it down because I got my initial list of twelve college games. And my list of six to eight NFL games, well, we got two and two, plus our best bet for a total mm-hmm. of five we do every week. And then I'll, I'll look at it and I'll say, oh, I want two and three in my picks. Well, if I would have picked these other games that I like so much more, I would have had it. So, no, that's never a problem with me. You, It seems like there's every week there's either one side or the other that you just... You don't like the card. Right. I don't like the NFL this week. It's I don't. The NFL this week. And I really don't like the college plays. In, in fact, there's a line that the game is tonight. I'll tell you what it is. It's Utah, USC. What am I missing? Hmm. I think Utah is a gift. A gift. And the line's three and a half. That's all you have to. The, to me, for my money as we sit here right now, Utah's the best team in the Pac 12. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. I don't think it means a playoff berth by any means. USC got beat last week by BYU. Utah killed BYU. Week number one. Transitive property doesn't work at gambling. I get it, but man, why is the line so tight? I thought I'm going to have to give double digits. It's three and a half. It's at USC. It's at USC. Short week. Eh. Traveling on a turnaround. Eh. Salt Lake to LA. Hmm. I'm I'm running out of ideas here. It's it's not like they're driving over. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) They're not taking the Greyhound down. But anyways, I, I, I looked at that and I got... This game just jumps out to me, yet uh, the number's three and a half. Anyways, uh, we will let you know who we're going to pick at about oh, 10, 11, 50 or thereabouts as we do our picks. I think we're both coming off uh, losing weeks. For the first time this year, uh, we both went two and three. Our head's still above water, but not much above water. All right, Dave Sinekin momentarily is theheadcheese.com. If you're a Packer fan, theheadcheese.com is where you can read Dave's blog each and every week. Uh, you can also hear him on the radio. He does a show, Packer Preview, in year number 24 now on the Vikings uh, affiliate, the Vikings flagship, KFAN, our sister station up in the Twin Cities. And if you're a, a Green Bay Packer fan, you can hear Dave, or you can go on to the uh, listen to the podcast that was just posted very quickly after they wrap up on Sunday morning. Well, it's Dave Sinekin's Broncos. It's my uh, Dave Sinekin's Packers versus my Broncos. I don't think it's going to go well for my team, Dave Sinekin. Good to talk to you. How are you? 
Uh, great. I mean, you got you got the ultimate revenge in Super Bowl Thirty Two, but uh, your your squad's o o five and one lifetime at Lambeau. I don't expect the one to happen this week. You know, Dave. It's I, I read your blog, and I had no idea that Denver had never won there. That 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 piece of that little nugget of info at theheadcheese dot com. As a Bronco fan, I guess I hadn't realized that they'd never won there till I read you today. Yeah, it doesn't mean a whole lot, obviously, with right. new teams every every year, but. Just an interesting nugget. Uh, they don't play often at uh, at Lambeau, but yeah, they're still searching for win number one. Indeed, they are. This Packers team has a defense, and that was, I know, a question mark for most everybody coming into the year. The offense, though, has been uneven for long stretches two weeks in. The good news is you're two and zero, two and zero against division mates on top of it, Minnesota and Chicago. But that offense as a whole. It's Aaron Rodgers. You feel confident because of the guy at the control of the whole thing. But what's gone wrong here at, during these stretches the first two weeks? Well, you know, it is a brand-new offense, and they're learning everything new, new terminology, new scheme. It's, it's, it's a work in progress, and I did figure we wouldn't really know what to make of the Packers' offense until we got into October. Uh, I will say having to face Bears and Vikings the first two weeks is going to make any defense struggle a little bit. And, man, the way things started last Sunday with 21 points in the first 16, 17 minutes of football, the offense looked unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And then, frankly, the next time they had the ball, they were uh, down to the uh, the uh, Vikings 30 when Geronimo Allison fumbled on the sideline looking to score again. So they really came out of the gates quickly. The Vikings, to their credit, uh, made some adjustments. Mike Zimmer is very good at that. And the Packers' offense really kind of ground to a halt from that point on. And there are concerns that way. Uh, especially on third down. But I'm going to say part of it's the new scheme, part of it's facing two tough defenses. They'll get another one this week, and frankly, with Philly and Dallas coming up, Mm -hmm. uh, the defenses don't get a whole lot easier. But uh, they're still working things out, some young players in skill positions uh, still trying to find their way with uh, a new scheme, a new terminology. I'm not overly concerned because, frankly, when you got number 12 and you're in a ball game late, you got a chance to beat anybody. Mm. You're forgetting that Denver has the very uh, good Joe Flacco. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe very average. Anyway, you know, back to the defense for a second. I want to talk about uh, Denver's defense because Chubb and Miller, Dave, this is hard to believe after two games, especially with those two. They have yet to lay a hand on an opposing quarterback in 2019. I watched Balaga last week, and I thought, again, for the second straight week, he did a tremendous job up against Daniil Hunter last week, and that's no easy task uh, the week before, obviously, against the Bears. Von Miller is not off to a good start. Likewise for Chubb, um, I mean, a law of averages says they're ready to break out of it, but Balaga's been really good. He has. He's really a key to this team because he's not been able to stay healthy with the knee issues on, on both knees, and they're being really careful during the week. He doesn't practice on Wednesdays. They they really are monitoring how much work they give him because they don't have much if he's not on the field and the Packers offense will change uh, 100% if they don't have Brian Bulaga playing right tackle. Yeah, Khalil Mack one week, uh, Daniil Hunter the second week, and now the Miller-Chubb combo. Uh, my guess is those guys will uh, add a few uh, stacks to their total this week. I think both Oakland and Chicago with middling quarterbacks Knew they were facing tough pass rushers. You can watch those games. Both those guys got rid of the ball quickly, rarely threw the ball downfield, and didn't take a lot of chances knowing they had Miller and Chubb across the line. Packers will not play that way. Rodgers likes to look for the big play. He holds the ball longer. He does stress the offensive line a bit, and uh, he'll take a sack or two. So uh, those sacks will come. Those guys are great players. Vic Fangio 
knows how to play against the Packers. He's been doing it for years to pretty good success. So uh, I do think Denver's defense will have some plays to make. They'll put Rodgers on the ground a bit, but um, but ultimately I think Rebay has too many playmakers. Uh, not having Todd Davis in the middle of that defense, which I'm not sure he'll play or not, but he's not 100%, I think opens things up for the running game as well as a tight end. I think this is the week that, that Robert Tanyan's name uh, starts mm. to emerge at tight end with Jimmy Graham not practicing and the tight end not really a part of the offense last week, although uh, Waller had a nice game against Denver in week one. Yes, he did. I think Tanyan, Tanyan's name will be mentioned a bit as he's pretty productive on Sunday. Yeah, that Waller's a really good story, by the way. If you watched Hard Knocks, you got familiar with him. But, uh, yeah, you could be right. Go ahead, Trent. Sorry. You mentioned Jimmy Graham there dealing with the groin injury. Where is he at at this point? We'll f- certainly more know, um, know more today after practice and what he's able to do. But are you expecting a player sit out on Sunday? I'm going to guess he sits out with a Thursday night game mm-hmm. looming against Philadelphia, and they'd love to have him healthy for that. They did activate uh, Evan Bayless, who's kind of a journeyman tight end out of Oregon, who they, they really like. They brought him back a couple times. They activated him uh, from the practice squad. I think that's a pretty sure sign that they're not going to get much out of Graham. I think he sits this week. I don't even know if he will be ready for Philadelphia, but this gives him a chance. And, yeah, you're right. We'll see if he practices today. He did not practice. The team didn't practice Wednesday. They just did a walkthrough, which is unusual, but knowing they've got two games coming up in a short time, they wanted to be really careful. A lot of guys on the Packers injured list, limited in practice, a little banged up from two really physical uh, division games to start the season. So my hunch is Graham sits Sunday, and uh, we'll hold our – I'm heading to Lambeau for the Eagles game Thursday, and I hope he's out there. Here's my hunch. Garrett Bowles is going to get tagged with a couple more holding calls. I've never (laughs) seen anything like it, Dave. I really haven't. Yeah, he's uh, he's a guy that I think if he hadn't been a first-round pick, they Good might point. have gone from him already. He's going to get Darius Smith, who's really the talk of the Packers' defense to start this season. Big-ticket free agent from Baltimore, who is kind of a rotational guy with the Ravens. They had so much talent. He uh, The Packers think so highly of him that he was given the captain's tag for the season. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Darius Smith, Mason Crosby are the season captains. Uh, he's just a real leader. He took the entire defense out to dinner this week and um, has really taken ownership of, of uh, leading that group. And he's been just fantastic so far on the field. And that matchup with Bowles almost seems cruel and unusual uh, for, <laughs> nice. for the young left tackle. I, I think it's a big mismatch on Sunday. Dave Sinek in the head cheese joining us here talking Packers on Miller and Condon on KXNO. Last thing for me, Dave, as you uh, look at the division, Vikings, you guys got them there. Uneven, certainly, early on. The Bears have looked nothing short of awful. The forgotten fourth, though. Mm. The Detroit Lions undefeated, though they do have a tie in there. What do you think of this Lions team? I think they're better than people think. Uh, I think they've got some nice skill players. I think Karrion Johnson's kind of growing into his role as a lead back. I really like Kenny Galladay as a receiver. And Marvin Jones torches the pack whenever they play. Uh, and that defense is getting better under under Matt Patricia. I think they might be a couple years away from being a real contender, but uh, I think they opened some eyes with the win against the Chargers. They go into Philly to play a, a banged-up Eagles team, and I think they're going to keep that game close. I don't know that they've got it in them to stay all the way into this division race throughout the year, but they're going to win their share of games. You know, I said in August I really thought top to bottom it might be two to three games between the top of the North and the bottom of the North, and I still feel that way. Mm. I think seven, eight wins on the bottom, and probably 10 wins on top. I think it's going to be a tight division, and every divisional game, 
I think is going to be competitive this year in the NFC North. Yeah, I think it's going to be, uh, prove out to be the NFL's uh, most competitive division. Hey, last thing, yeah. Dave, and you put it in your blog, and this will make Cyclone fans happy if indeed it does come to, to, to be. Uh, Alan Lazard, do you think he's got a chance to, uh, to play this week? Yeah, I do. They're dealing with some injuries on the depth chart at receiver. Now, the top three guys, Adam, Valdez, Scantling, and Allison, all should be good to go. They'll get the lion's share of touches. But after that, Jake Kumaro has been out of practice, uh, which is fairly typical for him. Darius Shepard should finally be up, the undrafted rookie for North Dakota State. He'll likely get the punt return job. Uh, but my guess is, with the size of Alan Lazard and the fact that um, Aaron Rodgers has been so glowing about what he was like in training camp in the preseason. I have a hunch he's up on the 45 this week and, and maybe gets some action, maybe gets a couple targets. I'm anxious to see what this kid can do. And with, with some guys banged up below him, and again with you know two games coming up in a five-day stretch where you don't want to put too much stress in any one player, uh, my guess is Lazard gets a chance to, to make some catches on Sunday. Dave, we will talk to you on Thursday in advance of Thursday Night Football. Fox picks it up. That means the schedule's ratcheting up. It's the Eagles and the Packers next Thursday. Dave Sinekin, thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Theheadcheese.com, live on the air, 8 o'clock Sunday morning. Uh, no, 7 o'clock. 7. Early Sunday morning. Yeah. Good stuff. And, yeah. of course, you can catch the uh, podcast very uh, quickly after that. Thank you, Dave Sinekin. Right. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Yep, good to talk to you, Dave Sinekin. Uh, read them, Packer fans, at theheadcheese.com. You're not very confident in your team, I, huh? They have no choice. They have no chance. No chance. No, next week they get Jacksonville, so go. So Minshew Mania strikes Mother Mile High City. You just don't want your team to be good. You want Tua. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. No. That's all right. He's got three Super Bowls in the last 22 years. That was after some awful Sundays as a kid. Not a kid, but, you know, in my 20s. Awful? Yeah, they lost in the thick of crush. 55-10? He got the Super Bowl. Yeah. You've heard of Doug Williams? Yeah. <laughs> it was good for the first quarter. It was good for the first quarter. <laughs> Timmy Smith? Timmy Smith. Jesus. Out of nowhere. And, and, and then Peyton gets them to the Super Bowl in uh, in New Jersey, and Seattle pounds them. Safety early. Safety early. Yeah, that, that was the highlight of the game, maybe. Ooh, yo, 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 yo. Uh, we will take a timeout. We'll come back. We're going to get into the Hawks and the Clones. Tom Cakert. Will join us uh, coming out of the break, and then we will get to our buddy Dylan Montz from the Ames Tribune. Have you seen the forecast for tomorrow, by the Rainy. way? Rainy. Not looking uh, good. Really? Yeah. Could be some awful weather. Eh? Lightning? Oh. It's the last thing they want, right? It's the last thing they want. Yeah, it does not look... Well, I mean, who knows? It's weather. Well, I'll take a time out. We'll talk to Tom Caker, Dylan Montz. Before we get to 11, Nick Athen on the Chiefs, Bama Bob Trent and I around college football, Claxon's Barbecue to give away, and our picks all before noon. On Miller & Condon, it's Des Moines Sports Station 1460. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Joe Davis was the play-by-play. Thank you, Roger Weinberg. Joe Davis. He does, apparently he's the uh, broadcast, the TV voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And he uh, snuck in last year the playoffs. I think he called the Cyhawk game a year ago. Joe Davis? I believe so. I could be off on this. But yeah, football. But yeah, Dodgers is his main expertise. Yeah, I mean it was okay. It's uh, it, was, it was okay. Smoltz and uh, Buck, I think, are well. 
There's a reason they're the A-team. Uh, Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com joins us. We'll take a look at the Hawks, where they're at, at the bye, etc. But we got to start with the uh, the basketball news. Cordell Pemsel uh, arrested OWI. Um, I mean, you know... It's not good. He's behind the wheel of a vehicle, and he's over the limits. Not going to uh, certainly minimize what he's doing. Uh, so, what's the what's the latest with that? With that, Tom, a suspension of some kind? Any idea how long these things typically last? Um, hard to say what's Fran, what he's going to do, but you can probably assume that he's. We're not going to see Cordell for a little bit. Um, I don't know how many games it, it will be. It might be two, four. Uh, games, I would guess, but hard to say. It's just, I just don't understand why people drink and drive anymore when you've got Uber. Right. You've got Lyft. You've got all these options that you can go to and, you know, off my soapbox. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you, Tom. In today's day and age, uh, I mean, everybody's got, I mean, I, I have zero app. Well, I don't. I have one. It's Uber. Yeah, you have to have it. So what were the circumstances around it, Tom? Do you know? I, I don't really know, haven't, uh, other than he had uh, tweeted out something earlier in the night that was kind of weird, just, um, he's had some strange tweets the last few days, so I was just kind of wondering what was going on with Cordell, and uh, and then that popped this morning, so I was like, oh, okay, um, but he's going to have consequences now, mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, Iowa's thin roster continues to get thin, I guess, for a little bit at least. Jordan Bohannon working his way back from the hip injury, still redshirt option on the table. That seems to be the most likely. Any update, anything that you've heard on Bohannon and his chances to play, or do you still continue to feel he's going to shut it down for this season, redshirt, and come back for one more year? Yeah, I would think that he's going to end up redshirting. Um, just, that's just a gut feel that everybody's had. Uh, since the get-go, since he announced he was going to have the hip surgery, that he was just going to end up, um, you know, doing doing uh, doing the redshirt year and, uh, and and taking that option and then coming back. But um, you know, Fran said something. I think it was to was it to John Rothstein this yeah. week that yep. you know nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't him out. made any decisions yet or mm-hmm. anything. But yeah, I'm just. This seems unrealistic unless Jordan really, really wants to play uh, and pushes himself back uh, quickly. Uh, but even then, it's you know kind of unrealistic for him to play mm-hmm. early in the year. I think I'm with you, Tom. I want to go back to last Saturday, an angle that we you know for, we kind of passed over it um, because the game was resumed and they did play, and it was a, a thrilling football game. Or certainly. Uh, the finish of the game was one we'll, we'll always talk about. We'll never forget the 2019 edition for a number of reasons. The delay, the end, et cetera, et cetera. But do you know how close they were, Tom, to had there been one more delay? What would have been the, the breaking point, I guess, of trying to play this game last week? Did you hear anything? Were they close to postponing it and playing it during the bye? Do you know how close that they got? That's an angle I, I haven't heard. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think that they really got that close to it because they could see that the weather was breaking to the west and that things were going to clear up and that uh, the, the weather was not going to be a problem. So, had that been a situation where hey, they're looking at another couple hours of lightning and rain, then you're like, yeah, maybe we ought to consider uh, calling it and and coming back another day. But I, 
I don't think it ever got that close. I think it was, uh, you know, everybody kind of panicked when uh, Dolph said something about, uh, well, Gary Bart is down talking to current right. parents. Yeah, he's probably giving them an update on what's going on. And it's not like everybody just kind of assumed, well, they're talking about canceling the game. And it just, mm-hmm. I don't think it ever got to that point. Gotcha. Yeah, that uh, certainly interesting, the open date there, and another week of Cyhawk back and forth leading into it. Would have been different, that's for sure, and memories I was all in. of 2001. Well, um, uh, this football team, 3-0, bye week at a good time, a chance to get healthy, certainly. Middle Tennessee coming back out of it before the big sojourn begins with Michigan on the road, followed by Penn State. You know, we've talked so much throughout the spring and summer about the schedule, how daunting these five road games are. You already got one in the win column, and you look at the other four, outside of Wisconsin, certainly don't look nearly as difficult as maybe they did throughout the offseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll find out um, a lot about Michigan and Wisconsin this weekend when they go head-to-head, and maybe Wisconsin gets exposed this weekend, or uh, maybe we find out that Wisconsin is really a, a, a juggernaut uh, this year, and maybe Michigan is not as good as uh, a lot of people think, so... Um, yeah, we'll find out more, but that, uh, you know, it's kind of nice the way it's divided up for Iowa because they'll have four games, another break, and then they have the, the final four games. Um, and it's kind of two and two, uh, from home and road. So it, it, it spreads out nicely. You know, that Northwestern game doesn't at least, you know, we'll find out about them this week mm-hmm. a little bit more, but they just seem so offensively challenged this year that, uh, it's, you know, they're maybe they're not as formidable. Uh, as they've been in the past, uh, and um, you know, we don't know about Nebraska yet either. Right. We'll find out the next two weeks about those about Nebraska. Can they go to Illinois and dominate? And then next week, the uh, we've got Nebraska uh, in the box. seen Ohio State, yeah. and that's a huge game. No doubt about it. Yeah, the, the, the Northwestern offense, Hunter Johnson. Did you see Urban Meyer did a breakdown of him? Boy, I love those Big Ten vignettes or whatever they are on Twitter. Urban Meyer is such a brilliant. He looks like he's off the field. He doesn't have a lot of fans, but when he's breaking down football, I think it's outstanding. Maybe I was a little uh, premature to write off Hunter Johnson and his five stars. Uh, watching Urban break them down a little bit, but you're right. We'll know a lot more about about those three. So, Tom, let me ask you this here in our final couple of minutes as we hit the first buy. Who's been the most pleasant surprise offense on offense and on defense for Iowa for you? Huh, that's a good question. Um, I, I think maybe pleasant surprise defense. Cedric Lattimore has been really good. I didn't know what to expect. I, I kind of thought maybe he'd have that big senior year, and it looks like he's having a really solid uh, solid year so far. Um, offense, boy, that's a good question. Um, maybe um, just seeing what I've seen from Tyler Goodson. I, I, you never know what you're going to get with a freshman. You think they're going to be really good, but boy, he's, he's pretty good. And uh, his future is really, really bright as a running back at Iowa. Good stuff. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you uh, in advance of Middle Tennessee a week from today. Appreciate it, Tom. Thank you. Sounds great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yep, good to talk to you. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. Cards, Cubs lineup. Rizzo, Castellanos, Chris Bryant, Schwarber, bats cleanup. Contreras behind the plate, batting fifth. Bodie, Hayward, Horner, Mills. For the Cardinals, Fowler, Edmund, Goldschmidt, Ozuna, Matt Carpenter up to the five hole. Mm-hmm. Yadi Molina, uh, DeYoung, Bader, and Michael Waka. 121st pitch. 
Wind blowing out, looking at that over with that pitching is matchup. Is the wind blowing out? Do you know that? I'm going to be searching, I think, during this commercial break. Yeah, the, especially with those pitchers, right? Mm-hmm. Not, I think earlier I said Brad Mills, Alex Alec Mills. Uh, anyways, time out. We will come back. We're going to talk Cyclones' side of things. Cyclones got a recruit today, a three-star mm-hmm. DB from the state of Florida. Beat a few Power 5 teams that were in on him uh, as well. We'll take a time out, come back, talk to Dylan Montz on Iowa State. They play this weekend 11 o'clock is kickoff tomorrow. Jack Trice Stadium, Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Fly. Each year, teams of families, friends, and coworkers come together to raise funds for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Life the Night. The funds raised by teams and individuals pay for research, education, and support for blood cancer patients and their families. Life the Night is filled with inspiration. There's music, a kid's zone, Hivey Village, and just something for all ages. Join me, Natalie, a Burkitt's Lymphoma survivor at Principal Park, September 28th from 5.30 to 8 p.m. For more information on how to bring light to the darkness of cancer, head to lightthenight.org. Oh. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. A couple of notes before Dylan Montz. Hawkeyes are off tomorrow. Sound off isn't. Really? Noon to two. Okay. Ross was fishing. Yeah, I wonder who's going to be in with Travis. Don't know the answer. I do know that Chuck Long, Scott Dockerman, the violinist, is her name Donling, Donlinger? Lisa Donlinger, who did the Hawkeye violin? I, I know the violin. very good. I don't remember the name, though. I think it's Donlinger anyways, um, and I'm missing one. Tune in tomorrow and find out. Noon to 2 sound off. Big 12 championship game. Uh, kickoff time has been announced December the 7th. It's going to start the day, 11 o'clock in the morning from AT&T Stadium. ABC with the coverage. Dylan Montz covers Iowa State and does it very well at AimsTrib.com. AimsTrib.com. Dylan, Trenton, Ken, let's start with the latest recruiting news as Campbell's landed a three-star DB from the state of Florida. What can you tell us? Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. And Michael Antoine is his name. He's from Fort Lauderdale. Um, he's a guy they've been in on for a little bit. Um, I don't believe he's visited campus that yet, though, but um, he's a top two. Uh, I think he's close to the 150 mark um, in Florida as a player, according to 24-7 Sports. Uh, just adds reinforcement, obviously, to to their secondary. They have um, three safeties in the class right now, and um, I think he's listed as the first true cornerback. So, uh, again, a kid they've been in on for a while and, um, uh, you know, one that I think, um, obviously, like I said, at depth. So with that 21 commitments for the class, what still are they out there looking for in terms of both positional needs? going to guess they're going to go up to 25. Seemingly everybody does that anymore. And coupled with not just position needs, any other big fish that they're looking to still land out there? Yeah, I think right now they've done a lot of the legwork with the class so far. Um, you know, they, they got the 20 commitments, you know, I think through August. And so um, I, I think that's kind of what they've been focused on is working ahead a little bit. And now they can kind of just pick their spots a little bit, whether that's with, um, you know, you know, maybe it's another, uh, you know, wide receiver, possibly a linebacker, just little spotty things like that. And then obviously attrition could maybe change the numbers, but I don't think um, they at this point they have a lot of, 
room left in the class. So, um, yeah, I think it's just like I said, kind of picking their spots now. Yeah, I saw they were there was a, a JUCO D lineman they were kicking the tires on, or uh, anyway, something surrounding him, which obviously will be an area of need next year uh, with all the uh, graduation. Well, let's get into the game itself, Dylan. And look, uh, the, the Warhawks are almost a three-touchdown dog in this game. They took Florida State to overtime where uh, the Warhawks uh, kicker missed a, uh, a point after in the second overtime session, which uh, you know, propelled Florida State to victory. They're a senior-laden team at the skill position. So, yeah, they, look, they're they're coming to a, a Big Twelve town, a Power Five stadium, etc. But they've done that numerous times before. A bunch of schools in the SEC they've taken on. So I don't think where I'm going, Dylan. I don't think the stage is going to be too big for them. Now, the talent on the other side of the field might be too much for them, but this I don't think is as overmatched of a team as some non-cons uh, are when they arrive at any uh, any destination, quite frankly. Yeah, I think this is a team that's used to kind of going toe-to-toe with the quote-unquote bigger schools. And, uh, you know, Matt Campbell said it a few times this week, and I know it ruffled uh, a few people's feathers that he called them maybe the most skilled or athletic team that they've played so far. But if you look at the skill positions at wide receiver, um, you know, their front six on defense, their quarterback, um, you know, their middle linebacker, I think, has been really solid for them. Um, they they can move really well um, and, and match up at times. And, again, the athleticism that they have is, um, you know, different than Iowa State maybe, but um, they're, they're different. Um, they, they provide different looks than Northern Iowa did or than Iowa did. They, they're going to kind of try to get out and run a little bit more and, and, and create some havoc. I think that was another word Matt Campbell used. So, Dylan, uh, not just Louisiana Monroe coming in, but also weather coming into central Iowa after last week. And, of course, the two different times that uh, we saw the uh, postponements and the weather delays that happened last season, what happened week out. For you, what do you bring? You bringing a book along with you? <laughs> you packing an extra snack or two? What happens now as you prepare maybe for more weather delays tomorrow? Any chance the media decides to run around the field yeah. if there's a break? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what? I think that we might have to do that. But I think the first thing I'm going to bring is my patient. Uh, <laughs> Good idea. Those, are, those turn into long days. But, yeah, I, I might pack another book or I have a few podcasts that i got to catch up on. So there, there's a few different things like that. But the good thing is with an 11 a.m. kickoff, right. um, there's plenty of time to try to find windows and pockets to, to get this game in because rescheduling, as we all know from last year, is kind of a bear in terms of finding opponents, mm-hmm. finding dates. Um, you know, hoping the weather's going to hold out, hoping the field conditions hold up. So um, getting this game in is the utmost importance. And, um, yeah, ho- hopefully it can happen because it, it does not look very pretty at the moment. Yeah, that's for sure. I, and did I see that the grass lots have already been uh, ruled out for tomorrow? They are closed. Did you see that? Yeah, uh, Iowa State sent out a press release yesterday that yeah. the grass tailgating lots are closed. So they opened up um, one of the agricultural buildings up Mortensen road, um, kind of by the towers, uh, there's on campus parking that people are going to have to resort to. But, uh, again, it's as much patience as, uh, uh, we're going to need in the press box. I think, um, Iowa state's asking the same from the fans because obviously last week was tough with all the rain and, um, you know, the, the sloppy conditions and the tailgating lots and trying to get people out of there. Um, uh, they're asking more of the same this week as well. Uh, what are you hearing injury-wise? Anybody going to make it back for this game? I don't. Do I don't recall them losing anybody against Iowa, did they? I don't think that there was an injury. What about some of the guys that haven't been able to play, like a Newell, yeah. perhaps? Yeah, Matt Campbell had said this week that they're as healthy as they could be at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would expect Newell probably not to go this week. 
um, especially when you kind of factor in maybe some of the field conditions and the slipping that'll happen. Um, if, if that grass is wet, um, it's probably best to save him and give him another week. Um, Steph, that Colin Olsen did, uh, you know, pretty good job for the most part at center. I think you ride with those five and then see if he can go next week against Baylor. But um, I actually saw him uh, the other day. He had a wrap on his knee as he was leaving the facility. So um, he's walking on his own. He's doing fine, but maybe a little bit stiff still. But other than that, I think um, you're just – you know, we saw guys like Braxton Lewis come back, and we saw Kanana Wongu play a little bit more and, and um, kind of get back into a rhythm. So I think the guys that were maybe out or banged up in game one that came back in game two are going to get healthier. And then, um, you know, everybody else at this point, from what I've heard, seems to be good to go. You mentioned uh, Colin Olson moving over to the center position and, and then uh, some of the youngsters getting some movement inside. When Newell is healthy and he's back to 100%, that line didn't look very good against you and I. It looked better against Iowa. Is this something they might be toying around with a little bit more and getting downing out on the field along with it? Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the most interesting parts because um, you know that group did take such a jump from week one to, well, I guess week three, but game two. Um, you know, they handled the pass rush a little bit better. Um, it, even on the soggy conditions, I thought they were able to create some spaces for Kanae Wango to run. Um, and, and they're obviously they're far from perfect, but I think that group of five seem to have something that gels. But I think Colin Newell probably is still one of their best five guys. Um, but I think they're kind of resistant to maybe, you know, over overhauling that line and what it looks like are, are big changes. So I don't know if you tweak it a little bit where Newell comes back in and plays center um, and Olsen slides back to left guard or if you leave Colin Olsen at center and put Colin Newell at left guard uh, because he can play that position as well. And then have have Trevor Downing um, be a guy that comes in and into the rotation because he is still young, but um, you know he was talked about in preseason camp as one of those guys that could obviously start easily. So it, it it'll be interesting to see, but I think um, this game could possibly be an indicator too as to maybe what kind of rhythm they want to stick with if Newell does indeed come back for that Baylor game. You know, it's been a couple of minutes going around the Big 12, Dylan, from what you've seen or what you've read. I'm surprised that Oklahoma State is getting as much respect in Austin tomorrow night as the point spread says that they are. Uh, Chubba Hubbard's a terrific running back. Sanders looks as though he is the answer quarter, but they got some skilled guys. Defensively, it's still a little challenged, I think. Are you surprised that... uh, you know, most a lot of people Vegas thinks this this game is going to be close. Do you? Uh, I, I'm no. I, I'm going to lean Texas. Uh, I think Oklahoma State as talented as they are offensively. I think Texas can bow up defensively and and give them a tough time. And uh, like you mentioned, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's offense or defense, excuse me, I think leaves a lot to be desired still. So having to be in Austin and having. Um, you know, Oklahoma State went on the road and won at Oregon State, which it, that, that's tough to make a trip out west, but Oregon State is uh, not a very good football team. So I, I think this is going to be a pretty tough game for the Cowboys, and um, Texas will, will uh, take it to them. Yeah, I'm not even going to ask you about West Virginia and Kansas, but both of those schools last week had uh... – Improbable, I think, victories. I think that's fair. Uh, They were dogs in both of them. Look, Dylan, the bottom of this conference, and maybe with the exception of Texas Tech, now that Alan Bowman is out and he may be out for, you know, six, four, six, eight weeks. I'm hearing a whole, read a whole bunch of different uh, estimates as to how much time he's going to miss. Bottom of the conference, K State is way better than I think most felt that they were going to be. If Oklahoma State pushes Texas a little bit, uh, there's some parity in this conference, Dylan. It's going to be a fun, it's going to be a hell of a race, I guess, where I'm going. Yeah, the bottom of the conference in particular has really surprised me because I think we kind of knew maybe what the top half or top 
six were were going to turn out to be. But uh, I, I would have never guessed Kansas would go on the road to Boston College, who had beaten Virginia Tech earlier in the year, and and not only win but win in that fashion. Um, West Virginia, I think. Um, you know, I, I think they'll probably still have a bumpy road just as they kind of get in, mm-hmm. you know, get in Neil Brown system. But um, that's an ACC team, too, that, that they beat at home, um, yep. you know, kind of handle. I think it was a 17-point win. So uh, that that certainly surprised me. But K-State is the biggest surprise um, starting 3-0, and going on the road to uh, Starkville and being that Mississippi State team in that way. It, it's been impressive. So it, it's going to be a fun conference season when we get into the weekend and week out aspect of it. No doubt about it. And that's coming up next week in Iowa State's case as they will head to Waco and so will you to cover Baylor and Iowa State. K-State, Oklahoma State next week's got some juice. Is that the ESPN Plus game? I think, it is. Yeah, it I think is. so, yeah. 12 now ESPN Plus. So yeah, tough tough beat for everybody that wants <laughs> Indeed. Ames Tribune. Dylan, we'll talk to you on Monday. Thank you. We'll read you at amestrib.com and follow you on Twitter at Dylan Montz. Dylan, thanks. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Take Good care. to talk to you. Dylan Montz, Ames Tribune. All right, uh, final hour of the week coming up next. We're going to talk some Chiefs to start. Trent Bama and I will go around college football. We're giving away barbecue. We've got some picks. It's a busy hour. It is a busy hour. Miller and Condon are on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNL.